What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's, or should I say, episode two of The Boys Talking the Boys. It's your host, Matt Johnson, and with me, as always, is Austin Terry. We're here to break down the Amazon Prime Mega Hit The Boys, season two, episode four. Austin, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. And I actually came with an impression that I've been practicing. And I got to say, I'm a little nervous because, you know, I'm not a big impressions person, but I practiced all day in the mirror. Here it is. It's my Black Noir impression. What do you think? That was pretty good. Here, hold on, though. I mean, I've I've always believed that a true impression can't be done unless you're actually doing it with someone. So let me I'll do an impression of. I don't know. I'll be Homelander talking to Black Noir. And if you can nail this, not just doing something you practiced, then that means you've mastered the impression. Are you ready? Oh, wow. This is a big test. But yeah, let's give it a go. I'm still kind of nervous, but let's do it. Hey, Black Noir. How are you? Wow. Yeah, I would say to mark that down in the column of mastered impressions. (laughs) I'll have to bring that back on some of our other episodes as well. Please. I mean, whenever Keith catches up, I mean, you're going to have to surprise him with that one because <laughs> I think it's going to blow him away. <laughs> so awesome. 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 All right, guys. Well, we hope everybody out there's, you know, you had a good week. We're excited to bring you another bonus episode here. And if you did, if you missed it already last week, we basically broke down the first three episodes of season two of the boys, which they dropped all at once. And just to remind everybody, we are doing full spoilers. This is not just our general thoughts or review. We're going to be doing an in-depth breakdown. So if you have not seen Season 2, Episode 4 of The Boys, we would recommend that you go watch it first and then come back to join in on the conversation. Yeah, we'll still be here. Come on back. (laughs) And this is our first kind of foray into a weekly version of The Boys. I mean, the first season was all dropped at once. Like we said, last week they dropped three. So this is the first time we had to basically... Wait an extended amount of time for the boys. Austin, how was it? Did you find yourself really looking forward to this, like watching this episode since you had to wait? Did you wish you could have just watched it all at once? Kind of what are your thoughts on that? I think I would have rather been able to watch it all at once. It was kind of a nice thing to have waiting for me, though, at the end of the week. Um, But I guess I still kind of feel like I did last week. It almost feels like episode three of what they released should have been episode one. And then this should have been episode two of the season. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think going off basically just if anybody missed it, it goes into our last um, boys breakdown episode, but our kind of our general feelings were even though we got three at once, it kind of felt like the first two was a bit too much setup. And not only that, it's kind of like the bad kind of setup where this was season two. So like season one had such a high of an ending and then season two kind of really started with a low that I wasn't expecting. It kind of felt like God, come on, we were already at such a good place at the end of season one, and now it's like we spent over two and a half episodes just trying to set up and build back to a point where we were already at. But the ending of this of episode three, as we talked about, was solid. So I was hoping that episode four was going to kind of keep that going. But I think it did for the most part. Um, I do agree with you, though, that it kind of made me feel like I wish this was episode two, because now, I mean, we're already halfway through the season, which is kind of crazy to think about. There's only four more episodes. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe we're halfway through and really, like, I did like episode four, but it does feel like we're in the same place at the end of episode four as where episode four started in terms of the storyline and the characters. Yeah, it does make me a bit nervous for the rest of the season because now I'm wondering, is this going to be like a Mandalorian situation where 
season one for me, it's like the first episode was really important and then really nothing happened until the last episode. So I just really hope that even though we finished half of the season, the, like the back half is going to be really kind of filled with story and character advancement because I'm just nervous that by the end of the season, we really won't have advanced that much further than the season one finale, for example. And I wonder if the only reason we feel like kind of the pacing is off is just because we're waiting weekly for it. Like, I wonder if our opinions would have changed if we were binging it. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely possible. I, I, I couldn't really see a difference in the way like the episode was paced. Not that there really needed to be, but like, even though we waited a week and we're going to have to wait another week for episode five, it didn't seem like they were structuring the episodes any differently, which I guess is good. I mean, I'm glad they stayed consistent, but um, they did have a solid cliffhanger. So I am excited for episode five. It's just, I guess I'm nervous that come next week when we're reviewing episode five, are we going to have kind of a similar, you know, take, which is it's good. It's enjoyable. You know, we're liking that the boys are back, but it's not kind of what we expected based on the season one finale, at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried for that as well. Yeah. So let's go ahead, just like um, we did last week, although last week it was a bit harder because we basically had to break down three episodes with all these storylines and juggle all that at once. So this is going to be nice. We're just going to have a pretty quick run through the episode four plot just so we I can kind of give you, Austin, and all the you know viewers and just even casual people that maybe aren't even watching The Boys just listening to what we have to say about it. But this way we can have kind of a jumping off point for our opinions on certain storylines. So there's certainly some interesting ones here and lots of reveals that I wasn't expecting and kind of some storylines almost seemingly concluding, at least for now, that really kind of surprised me in some good and bad ways. But let's just get into it real quick. So the highlights that I kind of took away were that Butcher, after kind of the botch job of delivering Kenji to Mallory at the end of episode three, we do see them meet together, kind of just low-key Butcher and Mallory, um, kind of at the, I guess, what would you call it, like the memorial at the tenements that were blown up by Stormfront last episode. We see them meet yeah, there. Yeah, more like, or maybe vigil, but yeah, something along yeah, those lines yes. is a good term for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they meet up there, and Butcher is actually kind of, I don't know what the word is, but he and Mallory clearly go back a long way and he seemed genuinely, he wasn't like kind of the the butcher that we know. He was kind of more like genuinely sad that he couldn't deliver, I think for a number of reasons. I think because he was sad that he disappointed her and also because in the back of his head, he thought that that would mean he wouldn't get Becca's location. But Mallory, even though she is kind of a, an uptight CIA type in the way that we've seen her presented before in the show, she was very much like, look, I know you fucked up. You didn't get the, um, you didn't get Kenji to us, but here's Becca's location. I'm giving it to you anyway. And then also she gives him some info that sort of sets up, I would say the main plot of this episode is she gives him some intel on an old school superhero named Liberty. Can we just touch on really quick her just handing him Becca's location? Because it, it's just, for me, it's just so weird because like we end season one with him, you know, finding out she's still alive. And season two opens with him like frantically trying to remember everything he saw, being like, I gotta find Becca, I gotta track her down. And now he's just handed her location. And we're, it's just so weird that we end season one like, here's Becca, season two, gotta find Becca. And then by episode four, it's just like, oh, here, she's right here. Like, we're gonna solve this problem for you very conveniently. Right. It, it did this scene in particular, I guess not even this scene, but just this concept that played out the rest of this episode. But your storyline really kind of highlighted in my mind what you just said. Which is, it is really weird to look back on the season one finale, like that final scene 
where Homelander basically just drops Butcher off on um, Becca's front lawn, and we get a bunch of reveals. One, that Becca's still alive. Also, we get the big reveal that she has a kid. We also get the reveal that it's not Butcher's kid. We also get the reveal that it's Homelander's kid. We also get the reveal that because he's Homelander's kid, he has superpowers. So all this shit happened. And then the way they presented it, which is like, I think the writers are like, okay, we want Butcher to find Becca, so we'll just do that. But then they do season two, and it's like, well, he can't stay with her, so we'll have Homelander drop him off somewhere else. So now it's like, even though he found Becca at the end of episode or at the end of season one, now his whole plot again for season two is basically to find Becca again. It just feels like we could have ended up where we do without any of this in-between stuff. Like, it feels like we could have had all this, all of the Butcher and Becca stuff that happens in this episode could have happened, like, without without them being separated. Like, they could have had all this all this conversation and everything, all, like, all at once. We didn't need any of these in-between scenes, I don't feel like. Yeah, I think to your point, if this had been episode two of this season, I think it would have at least felt a bit better, um, just in terms of, like, pacing and the way it, the story was flowing, but to be halfway through the season and to get their reunion that is then quickly kind of, you know, quickly disintegrates because of Butcher's views on superheroes. Um, yeah, just, I don't really know where that storyline's going to go yet. Like, is he going to have to find her again? Like, I don't know. It's kind of all up in the air right now. So, yeah. and I, I am happy we're not going to spend this whole season trying to track down Becca again. I just felt the way this was executed was very weird and came off kind of rushed. Yeah, a little bit. I agree with you. So since we're talking so much about that, let's just go ahead and hop into that. So Butcher basically for this episode, probably for the first time that I can remember. Again, I I, I didn't rewatch season one, but Butcher is for the most part in this episode kind of by himself. Um, he is with Becca, but I mean, like he's kind of separated from the boys, I guess. He has his intro where he meets with Mallory. He gets this info. And then basically he goes back to the boys HQ and he takes he takes the storyline that Mallory handed him of Liberty and hands it to Mother's Milk and Huey and then he takes the other storyline which is Becca's location for himself. It's so weird to just ditch them again right after gaining their confidence back in the last episode. I agree it, it comes off as weird but I do get it in the world because obviously yeah. he cares more about no, her. No I get it too. Um, but it, it does seem a bit weird you're right. Um, so anyway let's just jump into the Becca storyline since we're already there. So the long and short of it is Butcher is very easily able to infiltrate this facility. Like, they basically set up, like, Mallory and other people are like, dude, it's going to be impossible. There's no way you can break in there. And then he's like, I can do it. And then just the next scene, he's just climbing over a wall in the middle of the night. And it's like, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. And then somehow, not only is he able to, able to get over the wall, but he's able just to, you know, get to her very easily. To be fair, though, he hasn't exactly made it out yet. That's true. The last right. thing we see, right, is Black Noir seeing him on camera. True. So maybe true. it gets harder on the way out. That's a good point. Yeah. At the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, that was easy. But you're right. At the end, <laughs> I think episode yeah. five, uh, we might get some Black Noir involvement. So we'll see. Anyway, he breaks in. He's able to sneak up to Becca's house. And they basically kind of are able to communicate without tipping off other people that Butcher is there. So they go meet. They end up having sex. It's a reunion. So we see the sweeter side of Butcher. He comforts her. It's kind of like a callback to the flashbacks of season one whenever he was pre-Butcher, if you want to call it that. Obviously, they're not together, but it's one of those things that's like, oh, no time has passed. So it's kind of sweet. Yeah, this is a pretty nice reunion moment, I think. In this it's episode. it's very nice. Absolutely. It, it doesn't end As awkward well. as it is to get here, this is a still a really good scene. Yeah, and it does seem like whenever Butcher kind of does get double confirmation that this child she has dubbed 
does have superpowers. It kind of seems like at first she's like, oh, is that a problem? And he's like, oh, no, of course not. And then in the, in like the audience head, it's like, of course it's a problem. And then the episode, <laughs> that storyline in particular ends up ending with him calling Ryan a freak, basically. And she just, yeah. uh, of course, she is disgusted by that. And she ends up leaving. She's not going to try and escape with Butcher, which he proposed. So Because she fears that he'll find some way to conveniently get get rid of ryan and it won't and she even says like and i know how you'll do it you'll it won't be obvious that it's you doing it but you'll make it but ryan will be gone and 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 it will seem like an accident yeah so um and i actually really like this conversation specifically because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about how homelander is like an evil superman because here becca's essentially saying like she wants to raise superman like she wants to raise him to be good she even says like look how look how homelander turned out if if we just turn ryan over to vat he'll turn out the same way like i need to raise him to be good so essentially she does want to raise superman or this this world's version of superman yeah it's it's great i love it i love her side of the storyline i don't love the butcher involvement obviously i think part of that's on purpose but i, I really liked her reaction here it seemed very genuine and it seemed like yeah what she was supposed to say if that makes sense like as a character it seemed like the right thing to say so that kind of effectively ends that storyline. And then, as you mentioned, kind of the little cliffhanger for this storyline in particular that I think will pay off in episode five is throughout all of this, Black Noir um, kind of comes in and he's on Vought and he's basically, of course, silently he communicates. Yeah. And I know you were uh, I know you were worried we wouldn't be getting a whole lot of Black Noir content this season, but it looks like we are. Yeah, we got him sitting in a chair. It was great. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. No, I, I did find it exciting, obviously, you know, kind of to him just be watching these computer computer monitors all episode. And then they finally find butcher and then it does get like, Oh shit. Like, where's this going? It sounds like we know what black and is capable of, you know, we saw the first episode of this season. So it's like, how's butcher going to escape that kind of scenario? I'm definitely interested to find out. So how did you feel about that ending of the storyline? I still, I guess we don't really know a whole lot about Black Noir in the show. Like we don't really know where his loyalties lie. I don't know. I don't know if he's wanting to track down Butcher to kill him. I wonder, I'm wondering if he's wanting to join the boys. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, that's kind of the cool thing about Black Noir is that at this point they can do anything with that character because, you know, they really, he's just a blank slate. I, obviously there's a yeah. comic book that they need to pay tribute to but you know this boy's tv show has already deviated in a lot of really interesting ways from what i understand of the comics so if they want to do the same with black noir they could i mean yeah you're right like he literally could find um butcher and it may seem really scary but then maybe he pulls off his mask and it's like uh, i'll join you like we have no idea because <laughs> they did show him crying at the compound b reveal so i wonder right. if he's upset and they've never really been clear how loyal he is to the Seven either, because he is just a silent character. Yeah, he's completely silent, so we have no idea. And it is interesting that they did do a specific cutaway to him, like legitimately crying about this compound yeah. V reveal. He clearly, I guess it's unclear how much he knew about it, um, and also maybe he's more sad about the perception of the world to him. Maybe he didn't know; he thought he was special, and maybe that will change his opinion on certain things. Who knows? He's probably just as bad as everybody else on this team. It's just that because he's a silent character and season one barely showed him, we really don't have much to go off of. So I think they really are going to spend some of this season trying to at least, I think by the end of the season, we're going to know what his, like what his cards are. We'll know where his loyalties lie and what's going to happen with that character going forward. So we'll see what happens. I could also see him as kind of fodder for this season, kind of like translucent in season one. I assume one of the members of the seven is going to die at the hands of the boys at some point this season, at least one you would think. Um, if it was Black Noir, that obviously wouldn't surprise me either. So we'll see. 
So now that we covered that little subplot, let's hop over to the other big one, which is what I referred to earlier is Butcher basically just drops off a storyline, the Liberty storyline, I guess we'll call it, onto Healy and Mother's Milk. And Starlight has a pretty, she ends up joining the storyline as well because she has a really fucked up encounter with Homelander in an elevator where he wants to know why she wouldn't kill Huey at the end of the last episode. She basically just tells him that, you know, Huey did mean a lot to her at one point, but that's also why she couldn't kill him because even though it's, you know, it's an ex, she couldn't pull the trigger on that. And I think she was kind of trying to play to his emotions that that's something that, you know, he probably would have done, something May would have done, stuff like that. And it even ends at a point, I don't know if we have to believe him yet, but it ends at a point where she like stands up to him, like right as she's about to die. And it's like, so tell me if I'm lying. And then he just walks out of the elevator saying that you're not lying. Just judging from the look on his face, I think he did believe it. Like you could tell he was really upset that she wasn't the traitor. Like he thought he tracked her down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. At this point, I think he also knows about Maeve and her girlfriend. And so I think he's probably also frustrated in this and with that as well. And you can just tell he's so sick of the lies and he wants the whole team to be catering to him. So I think there's just so much going on for Homelander here. And he's trying to get the seven under control and try to like regain that power that he's just really, really looking to have this whole like people lying to him just sorted out right away. Yeah, I was going to I was going to get to those quick bits at the end, but I think this is the perfect time to bring it up now that you mentioned that um, to that point as well. On top of the Starlight stuff, we also see Homelander put A-Train basically on, I guess, medical leave, if you want to call it that, from the Seven. To me, it kind of seems yeah. like he was just firing him. Like, I don't see A-Train coming back unless something changes. Who knows? Um, but basically, Homelander fired A-Train, which this was one of the things I mentioned at the beginning that I was surprised about. Although we did talk about it last week that we didn't understand where A-Train's story was going unless, like, if he wasn't in a storyline with Starlight, we didn't see what his storyline would be in the show. So I guess I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they seemingly took him out of the show in a weird way in this scene. I do think we'll see more of him because, I mean, his and Starlight's relationship is going to have to be explored more, but this was interesting. And then the last thing, what you just mentioned, is he in a really hard-to-watch scene as he outs Maeve on live TV during an interview. Um, And they play it off like, or she plays it off that, you know, she's okay with this happening, this reveal, and then... You know, when they get backstage, she confronts him and it does not go well. And basically, it kind of confirms what Maeve was afraid of, even though it seems so outlandish when she brought it up earlier in this season. But to me, it seems very, you know, true that Homelander, if he has the opportunity to kill her ex-girlfriend, he will. Only because he's mad at her for being gay or bisexual because she dated him in the past. So the idea of her being with someone else and especially a woman i think he's apparently willing to kill her um and it does seem like that is in fact the case so what do you think about those scenes i'm just confused about whether or not like homelander ever actually had any feelings for Maeve, or if that was all just for the cameras and he he's just upset that this could in some twisted way like hurt his image yeah i'm not entirely sure either i guess i would, I would lean towards the image aspect it's hard to say about actual feelings because we never saw him and Maeve together it was just referenced in season one and then we only ever saw him with Stillwell so it's kind of hard to say certainly an image factor I mean if two members of the seven were dating you can certainly see why there would be an appeal um, for Vought to promote that I guess I just kind of want to know more about what Maeve and Homelander's relationship did look like in the past because like was it something that Vought like 
staged basically or was it something that they actually did have like a real relationship and it could have been like maybe homelander's only actual like genuine relationship and then it just fell apart for whatever reason like i'm just curious to know how their relationship ended and like what the stakes of it were at the start of it yeah i'm trying to remember we may have seen him and Maeve together in the flashbacks in season one when butcher and becca were together before like whenever we saw homelander meet becca for the first time yeah and i'm pretty sure what we saw in season one was like all stage stuff for the pilot. I, I think you're probably right but either way he's pissed if it's because of actual feelings he had or because of the image of somebody he dated dating a woman um i think either way he's willing to kill because of this and so he basically outed Maeve to spite her and we'll see what happens again i was hoping for more Maeve, like we talked about last week this was really her only thing this episode yeah and since again we only have four episodes left i'm really hoping that you know she plays a bigger part because i think she's one of the more interesting characters and the fact that she's on the seven and she's clearly i guess lower on the list in terms of sadistic fucks i hope that uh (laughs) we get to see more of her and see (laughs) where her allegiances might lie by the end of the season. Because I wouldn't be surprised, not not if she joins the boys. I, I'm not saying that, but I wouldn't be surprised if she is somehow able to leave the seven, whether it's, you know, because she wants to. Yeah. Run. So we'll see. I don't see her joining the boys, but I do definitely see like a showdown between her and Homelander coming. And the problem there is I, 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 I love Maeve, but I feel like they would kill her in favor of keeping Homelander and have that be a villainous act that sets like sets him up as an even bigger villain going forward. So we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't happen this season just because I want to see more of her, but obviously I can't request that. So (laughs) I'll have to see. All right. So let's hop back to the starlight stuff. So starlight gets this great scene with Homelander and then she's all just on edge because she's having to live a lie and she's basically being scared every moment of being found out. So she meets up with Huey she tells him all this. She's like basically scared of walking around any corner in Vought Tower because Homelander might be around it, ready to kill her, which was terrifying. And then Huey's kind of like, well, you know what? Like, you know, let's go on a vacation. So he basically convinces Mother's Milk to bring Starlight with them to go investigate this mysterious celebrity character that Mallory passed on to them. And this, this storyline definitely takes up a lot. Um, so before we get to the actual like reveal about liberty whenever they get to their destination what did you think about this whole kind of road trip like kind of learning more about mother's milk's background kind of his ocd his father's death we get to see huey and starlight i don't i didn't remember again i should have watched season one again i don't remember if they've had sex before either way if they have they, have. they haven't um they do here again so that's certainly a big moment for their relationship so what did you think about kind of the road trip before we actually get to what happens at the destination I actually really liked this story. The only thing I didn't like is that we're like just find the convenient ways to separate the team again. Yeah. Because Frenchie's going on a bender, Butcher's going after Becca, and then Mother's Milk is just kind of left alone with Huey. So I do really like this like road trip plot, and I'm really glad that we get more Mother's Milk content because I think he's just such a great character. Um, and I like Huey and Starlight's relationship. I just don't really like the fact that we're just finding ways to separate the team. I agree with you. I, I, I don't love that everybody's so separated. It feels like Game of Thrones season two where it's like, but they're like in the same city, which makes it weird. <laughs> so it's weird that like everybody is so separated. <laughs> but um, yeah. I did at least like this storyline. I thought it was really sweet. I thought we got lots of great background for Mother's Milk, who is a character that I think could have used it. So I'm glad we got that. And then we also got a great scene where they were leaving the diner. And Starlight wanted to save someone that was just in a brutal car wreck. And then they basically stop her because she would be found out that she wasn't 
you know, in town and she was on the run yeah. with Huey and like that would have been her death basically, but she had to basically sacrifice that person's life potentially in order to keep that guise up, which was hard to watch, but a great scene nonetheless. And I was worried about I was worried about that scene because I was worried they were gonna find a way to like use that to drive a wedge between Starlight and Huey, but I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, I'm glad they, they didn't drive drive a wedge between them either. Uh we'll get to where the relationship is at the end of the episode, but before we do that Let's go ahead and talk about, I guess, what I would consider to be the big reveal here. And this was what I referenced at the beginning that I was not expecting. So uh, Mother's Mill, Kiwi, and Starlight get to their destination. And they're basically talking to this woman who has been really screwed over. And she's really kind of down on her luck. And a big reason is that she had a family member killed by a superhero. And the reason that was surprising to hear was because it was in the 1970s. And I didn't really remember anything in this show until this point that really talked too much about the existence of superheroes like, I don't know, that long ago. Because the fact this was in the 70s, I guess, brings up the question is we learned that Compound V created all these characters and most of them are definitely young. Like they wouldn't have been born in the 70s. So it kind of begs the question of liberty or just any of other the superheroes, were they also created by a different version of Compound V or just an earlier version? Like, Well, they do talk about how the founder of Vought was like a German scientist from World War II. That is and then they do, kind of, they do kind of reference like other superheroes that we don't see on screen. So I, I think what was happening is that I think Vought was using them as soldiers in the various wars that the U.S. has been in. I think that's kind of what's implied. Yeah, and based maybe on not the, implied, but I guess that's just what I'm assuming. Yeah, and based on the age of the character, I guess we could assume that Liberty would have been one of the first superheroes if there was a German scientist during World War II that was experimenting. You know what it kind of feels like? It kind of feels like a Watchmen type deal, where there's like this old guard of heroes, and now now there's the new younger. I guess not heroes, but this old guard of of super beings, um, and now there's like the younger crew. Um, I, I think it kind of feels like that a little bit. Yeah, and again, um, similarly to Stormfront's racially charged murder of Kenji in the last episode, we find out that Liberty basically murdered someone just because they were black in the 1970s. Uh, At least that's what it seemed like. We didn't really get too much context because we see the entire scene play out through the eyes of this um, older woman reflecting back as a young girl watching this family member be brutally murdered in front of her. And then the big reveal, of course, is that not only... You know, two like two episodes apart, did we get two racially charged murders? It find, turns out the you know the murderer was the same person. And apparently, Liberty, when at, when they ask who is Liberty, the woman points to a picture of Stormfront, which was pretty. I was kind of like, what? Like, I had no idea. Like, was it take away from that? So, what was your kind of reaction to that reveal? I thought it was a really good twist. Um, I don't necessarily want to use the word disappointed, but I just was really interested to see like what these older heroes or i keep saying heroes what these older superpowered beings look like um like I, I guess i just wanted to like learn more about these characters that were around in the 70s um and now to have it just be stormfront well i do think is a good twist um i guess it was just a little bit underwhelming for me because i was excited to see like where this plot was going about this existence of other older heroes yeah i'm still confused on like how many of the other heroes or beings there were back then. I'm a little iffy on that. Um, It seems like we just basically revisited this isolated incident. We still are going to get to do that as we learn more about Stormfront. Um, So I I think, I think where they're going to go with this plot is going to be interesting, but certainly this twist was definitely something I did not see coming. Yeah. So we'll see what happens because 
you know, again, Stormfront, like we talked about in episode one, just shows up and is on the seven. Like Homelander didn't hire her. Um, Stan Edgar did. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, too, of why she just showed up if she already had an existing relationship with Vought. Yeah. And why is she the same age? Is that because of Compound V or is it for some other reason? So lots of lots of lots of questions that I feel very confident will become one of the major plot lines of the remaining four episodes. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm certainly curious. Um, and that's kind of all the main storylines. Let's hit some of the smaller ones here. You mentioned Frenchie being on a bender. He and Kimiko have a very small storyline. It starts out with Frenchie, you know, like we said, on a drug bender. And he in a very fucked up scene that at least they acknowledged later. So it wasn't just the, like this isolated weird scene, but he uh, goes to try and comfort Kimiko who clearly, you know, from season one, they have a close relationship. I don't really know if it's supposed to feel romantic, at least not fully yet, especially since she's still has trouble with communication, but basically she's just in agony over losing her sibling in such a brutal way right in front of her eyes. And, you know, fucked up Frenchie on drugs, on coke and shit. His response is to try and make out with her, which she obviously is like, get away from me. So cringy. Yeah, hard to watch. But again, like I mentioned, at least we got a follow-up scene where he goes to visit, I guess, an old friend or an old flame, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, he basically kind of spills his guts about how much he regrets that and how sad he was about it and how he does really care for this person and he just went about it in the wrong way. So I was, I was happy to see that, but I think another big thing to talk about here is they do directly reference, like, I don't know what the word you want to use, but like a regret he feels, I guess, about Lamplighter murdering Mallory's grandchildren, which was kind of shocking. <laughs> so Yeah, and we also learned that like Mother's Milk has his own past strategy with these super beings. So... I'm sure each one of each member of the boys has been affected by these super powered beings. And I think we're going to learn more about what exactly those incidents were. Which makes sense when you think about it, because Butcher basically just introduced Huey to these characters. And it was kind of like, don't worry, like they'll come with us. They're like, it's like, why? And we are getting a bit more revealed little by little that maybe the reason Mother's Milk is is because his dad worked in Vought and we don't know why he's dead. Kind of a mystery there. And then also... Um, Frenchie obviously must feel regret because apparently he and Mallory used to be somewhat close and then that kind of went to shit when for some reason, I don't know what exactly, but for some reason he couldn't stop, um, you know, Lamplighter, uh, from killing her grandchildren. Lamplighter, who we know is coming up somewhere in these next four episodes. Sounds like he's a monster. Yeah, which is weird. You, you know what I'm worried about it? You know what I'm worried about now that we're talking about it? What? What if, what if the reason these other super beings were, I guess, retired is because they were somehow worse than the Seven is now. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense for Lamplighter. I mean, if this guy really did murder Mallory's grandchildren and she was, and this was a time where she like actually wasn't retired from the CIA, you would have to imagine that even Vought would have been like, even like fucking Homelander would have been like, look, man, like we do fucked up shit, but you can't kill the CIA director's grandchildren and expect to stay on a public team. So maybe that's why he was forced into retirement. Um, and again, Sean Ashmore from the X-Men movies is playing him. We don't know where he's going to pop up this season, but he's a very kind of kind looking person. He has like such an innocent face. So I'm really curious how, like, how, like how he's going to play that character. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm guessing that's where Frenchie, like his storyline is going to kind of collide this season. So we'll see what happens there. So that was worth mentioning. And then the last storyline we'll mention before wrapping up and getting into our final thoughts is 
Another weird, uh, deep storyline. Although I did like how it was paced here. I thought this was really cool. I loved how throughout the episode, there's just these weird cutaways um, to women just talking about their thoughts on love. And I was like, this is weird. And it kind of felt like it was supposed to be, it was supposed to kind of accompany all like the upcoming scenes in the show because we see butcher reunite with becca we see starlight and huey get together again even though they decide to or i guess they don't decide but starlight decides to end things because they're getting kind of too comfortable with this growing danger around them um but either way it's kind of like they're just talking about love and it's like i guess that's why this is in here but then at the end they reveal they have one more woman talk about love and her thoughts on it and then it kind of the camera pulls back and we find out that the deep is basically watching these people being interviewed and the church is interviewing them to be in, a, in an arranged marriage with the deep. And that was another surprise at the end. What did you think about that? Yeah. What, do you, what do you think, like, why do you think they're doing this and how is it going to play out in the rest of the season, do you think? I think they're doing it to, uh, you know, show like, hey, the deep's not a predator anymore. He got yeah. married. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, they're really trying to fix his public image. Um, and for me, just the writing in the deep content here, four minutes call it good cut the credits works for me i don't need any more than that <laughs> i feel you i feel you i i agree with you i think this was a good amount of time um and i guess it does beg more questions about who is this church of the collective like are they hired secretly by vaught or the seven in order to like fix people's images or are they their own thing because i still don't understand why there's like the church of the collective keeps telling the deep that their only goal is to get him back on the seven and i guess the question is why like do they want him to like shout out good things about them or what are they? I think they're their own thing that wants to have some sort of influence on the seven. Yeah. And we have no idea why yet. So I'm certainly interested to find that out, but I think you nailed it. I think the reason they're trying to do an arranged marriage specifically is because it locks him into something. And it certainly seems like that's going to be how they beef up his image and they can have a spokesperson speak on his behalf. Like he used to do these terrible things, but I love him. He's changed. And (laughs) Again, I don't know how that gets him on the seven. I mean, I would think Vought would have to agree, and Homelander doesn't like him. So I don't know where that's going to go. But I am still interested to see how that plays out, because, again, the deep storyline is the one that's just so random to me. I could see, though, Homelander being like, I actually have influence over the deep. Like, he does what I tell him to. So maybe Homelander will start leaning the other way and start wanting him back on the seven. That's good, because we that's true, because we didn't see... Multiple instances, he kicks off A-Train, who doesn't think he can trust. He kicks off, well, he doesn't kick off Maeve, but he outs her to kind of get her, forcibly get her under his wing. So I think he thinks that she'll do anything I tell her. He's just scared about Stormfront taking over. So you, that's a good point. I mean, he knows the Deep is somebody that will do anything he says. So if he could get somebody like that back on the 7, that might be a number for him. So that might be his end yeah. game. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, that was only an hour worth of an episode, but it still feels like there's just so much story or at least so many storylines. I think to your point earlier, I think in some ways it's a cool thing about the show. In some ways, not all the storylines work, but even though it was only an hour, there's just so many different storylines to kind of juggle here. And I think some of them are really solid. Some of them were fun, like the road trip. Um, some of them do advanced characters. Some of them I just don't think really need to be here. Um, so I am getting nervous. I, again, I like the show. I like the content we're getting. I just, it's scary to think about that there's only <laughs> like half the season left. And I really just hope I'm satisfied by the end of it. Yeah, I like the show too. I, I thought this episode was good. I, um, It's not my favorite so far that they've put out. I think episode three still stands out for me as being the best uh, so far. Yeah. Um, I think my only really main criticism, criticism of this episode is that 
story-wise, we don't really end in a different place at the end of this episode than where we started. I think you're right. I agree with you. And that was kind of my main concern because that was kind of how episode one through three felt, except for the last like 30 minutes of episode three. Like I, I just really, I need for me to, I feel like have come away with a really positive outlook on the season as a whole. I need the back half, which is starting next week to really kind of at least kick the story into high gear. I'm loving all the character moments that we've gotten so far. I feel like we've gotten a lot of emotional advancement and kind of where characters' mindsets are at. There's still more to be done, but I think they've done a lot of that. So hopefully that means that in this back half, we're actually going to get some story progression. That's what I'm really looking for. Yeah, we still have quite a bit of setup that's been going on in this first half. So from here on out, I think, like you said, for me personally, I need I need this show to get moving and yeah. uh, start resolving some of these plot storylines. Yeah, I guess that's just the issue with like ensemble casts this big is there's just so much to juggle. But, you know, I have faith in them. I think it's a great writing team. I think it's, you know, a great team, obviously. This show is so well produced and it looks great. Um, I guess my only concern right now is just actual, like, the writers. Do they want to advance the story? I think they do. I think episode five is really going to be telling because, like I said, it's the start of the back half. So I feel like I have a good feeling. Um, I'm looking at it right now. The title of episode five is We Gotta Go Now. So that could be a good sign. Maybe the story's gotta go now. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see what happens. I'm hopeful. I do, again, I know it kind of probably sounds like we're down on the show. I think I'm a little bit disappointed overall, but I do still, like, whenever I am watching the show, I do love, like, actively, you know, having it on screen, enjoying these characters. It's just whenever it's done, I think about, what what actually happened? And then that's where I get a bit disappointed. But I am still so excited for the rest of the season. Um, How do you, I know you feel the same way, right? Yeah, I, I'm excited for the rest of the season. And I will say I was excited on Friday to watch this new episode. So I'm not so happy that they're doing it weekly, but I see why Amazon's doing it. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I am I am excited for the rest of the season. I know it probably does sound to anybody listening like we are super down on the show. And I don't think we're super down on the show. I think we're just, no. we just really like the show so much that we're worried it's not going to live up to our expectations. Yeah, that could be part of it. I guess it's hard with any season too, but here let's uh let's take a bet. Do you think next week we get another shocking twist or do we get a shocking character death? Oh. Um I think I'm going to lean towards well, right now I would lean towards twist. Even though we have gotten some good twists so far this season, particularly for me at least the Liberty being Stormfront twist was pretty cool. I do think since it's only episode five, I'm leaning towards twist. But now that you mentioned death, it could it could happen. I just don't know who it would be. What do you think? I think I think next week Lamplighter is going to get introduced, and I think we might get his introduction along with a death. Interesting. Yeah, it's just so weird to think about because it's like all these characters, because of all the setup they've done, it's like they all feel kind of like needed for the show. Um, I mean, if A Train died. That would, I guess, make sense since his storyline kind of seemed like it was done. But everybody else, I don't really know. But I'd be, I'd be curious. I mean, if they do a death, that would certainly be shocking. If it's handled well, I think that could be the kind of thing that would really, really get me excited. Especially knowing there was three more episodes, so that would be cool. Who would, it, if somebody had to die, like who do you think would be? kind of a hard question to ask not who do you want to die but who do you think would be like the most effective way to die that's also not like butcher because butcher's not going to die so like who do you think it could be i think right now the two most expendable people that we see regularly is black noir and mave 
the thing that worries me about Maeve is I think you're right. Because whenever in shows they do all of this emotional storytelling for a character, especially because she hasn't been used in like any of the other storylines, like that does make me nervous for her, like her Deadpool odds, if you want to call it that. Like I could could see her dying. Black Noir, the only thing about him is if he ends up dying next week, I feel like I'm just going to be like, well, who was this guy? (laughs) You know, like I, I feel like I feel like there has to be like a black noir reveal at some point, at least something. But I don't know. I think you're right, though. I think as we were talking about Maeve's storyline, it did make me feel a bit more like I could see her going at some point in this season. I hope it's not next episode because I want to see more of her. But I think I think a death is certainly possible. I think a twist might be more likely, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, Matt voted twist and I voted death. So we'll have to check back in on these bets next week. And Keith, what's your vote? Oh, he's not here. Oh, wait, oh. no, he is here. He's just been doing a Black Noir impression this whole time. Golly, he took your impression and just ran with it. I mean, he really nailed that. He did that <laughs> way longer. He stayed in character. Good job, Keith. Um, <laughs> so, Austin, glad to have you with me here. Hope everybody out there enjoyed listening to this episode four, season two of The Boys. We're excited to bring episode five next week. Austin, why don't you fill in everybody on some of the episodes we've been doing besides this and what they can expect coming forward. Yeah, as always, happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. At The Arnie's is our social and thearnies.media is the website. Um, If you're new this week, we do have our main episodes released every Tuesday. This week, we put out a really fun debate on movie scores. And we also are in the middle of a bi-weekly Star Wars series. And our next stories episode will be The Force Awakens coming to you next Tuesday. Looking forward to it. And if you want to, feel free to send us some DMs over on Instagram at The Arnie's. Send us your thoughts on The Boys. Send us your favorite movie scores. Send us your thoughts on Star Wars. We have so many different shows going on, little bonuses that we have lots um, for everybody out there. So send us your thoughts on these shows and this content so we can read it live on air, so we can just enjoy it, communicate with you. We love talking with all of you. And we're just so happy that you're listening. We hope you're enjoying the show. So just feel free to recommend us anything. Like, what should we talk about next time? We're always looking for new ideas. So feel free to DM us. Yeah, just a little scheduling. Um, Every Tuesday will be our main episode, and every Thursday will be the boys season two breakdowns or as we like to call it here a podcast within the podcast the boys talking the boys hell yeah (laughs) all right bye everybody we'll talk to you next week see ya